0: When D.C. Mayor Muriel Bowser urged the federal government to either occupy its space or clear out, she touched a nerve. Debate over whether people should mostly be in the office or telework most often centers on issues. In particular, which is better for collaboration and team cohesion? Both agencies and contractors are wrestling with the same questions. Here on the Federal Drive, we're presenting two opinions on this question. First, we hear from a longtime federal sales executive who's worked with nearly every agency at one point in his career. Joining me in studio now, Paul Smith. Paul, good to have you in.
1: Hey, Tom, and it's great to be here with you in person.
0: We should point that out very clearly in person. And you are one who comes down basically on the idea of people, let's get back together again. Tell us more.
1: Yeah, well, you know, I kind of operate from a standpoint of today we have, it is what it is, and it was what it was. And we'll probably never go back to what it was. But where we are today is a full pendulum swing from what I believe is necessary for real collaboration. You know, an open source guy for most of my career I understand that collaboration happens in teams of cross-functional folks getting together and, and ideating together and bashing things out on a whiteboard or at a conference table or wherever that may be. Execution can happen almost anywhere, but when the ideas need to happen, it seems to me that the energy and reading body language happens better in 3D than in 2D.
0: And in your long period of your career with Red Hat... We can name that company, a nice outfit. You also probably had to work with agencies in convincing them of the values and virtues of open source because it wasn't widely understood back then. Let's say 20 years ago. (laughs) Back in the day. (laughs) Back in the day. And so did you also find that convincing agency customers was a good thing in person?
1: Indeed, I think, you know, it's just a human experience is building trust and relationships happens over time. I really eschew an old model of of salesmanship, which was you sit in a car dealership, as an example, and the salesman says, trust me. I was like, yeah, okay, fine. Uh, But trust is something that's actually built over time. And humans interact in a lot of ways that require promises made and promises kept over time. But right now, I'm getting head nods from you that I can see verbally and and the non-communication skills, it says, "Okay, you're buying into this. So with agencies, it's building that trust over time. And mostly that's done from presence. It's being at the table. It's being at a conference. It's being on stage with somebody. It's doing philanthropic work through maybe some of many of the associations like FCA. And you build those relationships.
0: Yes, those organizations have been working hard to get back to the in-person event pretty steadily.
1: Indeed, and I just saw out at the Consumer Electronics Show that Don Upson and his crew had a great showing out there, and people were very enthusiastic to get back and just get belly-to-belly, so to speak.
0: Interesting. Now, the devil's advocate says that, well, we have Zoom, we have Teams, we have these collaborative platforms with everybody looking kind of not quite at you, but (laughs) where their camera is not. Why can't those substitute for the in-person? Because you can still see the people you're speaking with. Well, they can. They
1: can. And I'm not an advocate of saying we're going back to one full swing of the pendulum one way or the other. But I believe Zoom, we'll use Zoom as kind of a generic because there's Google Meets and and Teams and all these other avenues to have these video type of presence with each other. But I believe they should be a supporting character, not the main character. And look, the hybrid workplace has been around forever. I remember being a young salesperson you know, we use conference calls when, when uh, video conferencing came about. It was a great way to connect with folks from outside of the cities. But going forward, it just doesn't work. It's a 2D type of experience. So it actually, it's a great supporting character, but it shouldn't be the main character. Hard to build culture when everyone is always dispersed.
0: We're speaking with Paul Smith. He's a retired federal sales executive, most recently with Red Hat. And let me ask you this, too, the idea of bringing on new people. In the case of a contractor, it could be new BD people, new sales people, or in the case of an agency, just any sort of new employee. And sometimes those new people get only sporadic or zero contact with the people they're going to be working with. What's your sense of how that should happen?
1: So... There's a lot of debate going on right now. You see Disney. You see Apple coming out with mandates to get back to the office. And there seems to be perhaps a battle between the Gen Zers and maybe the um, the baby boomers like myself or the Gen Xers, you know, the 40s and 50s-somethings. And, in fact, I actually look at it more of a father figure, someone that cares about the family, cares about the individual, cares about personal growth. And I was just reading in Forbes magazine – I'll quote this – In this article, they said, especially for these folks, the Gen Zers, the 23 24 year olds, if they graduated during COVID, you know, this hope of getting into the real world, so to speak, never really happened. They've been in a virtual world. So the quote says, For young adults going to the office, it has a positive social benefit. You meet new people, make friends, and build a network of alliances that could help you through your career. Well, they're all missing that. They don't have that ad hoc type of ability to walk up and down the aisle my office door was always open unless i was in conference so people across the organization whether they were in sales finance legal partner customer support could all say hey do you have a minute and you made that access possible there is a wall that goes up i believe in this virtual world that says i am not accessible God, Paul, you're the senior vice president of this organization, 700 people. I can't bother you. And in fact, it's incumbent on the leadership to make themselves available. Much harder to do in a virtual environment. And I must say, too, on that subject, some people think that the bosses want them back in the office so they can watch them. Guess what? They're watching you more now because of all the digital technology. Teams has a red light, yellow light, green light, depending on if your cursor is moving. They can tell if you're away from your desk. Big Brother is here. They're watching your CRM. They're watching your emails it's like the stuff that managers are doing now is more of a micromanagement huge data analysis type of motion versus extending trust watching the big numbers watching to see you know what's going on uh, with customer experience and so forth but actually setting a vision and letting them go much different experience for these young kids i worry about them as a dad as i worry about
0: my kids So if you're working at home, you need two mice, one mouse that controls your computer, the other one to push that mouse around when you're actually out walking the dog.
1: I saw something on Amazon. They're selling these devices now to move your mouse a little bit when you're away. What if you want to go to the bathroom? All of a sudden, the red light goes on. It's like, you know, I just don't want to have to talk about that.
0: And beyond that, there is the spontaneous communication, the quick meeting. I find personally that if you have to pick up the phone or go to Slack or go to email, something not worth a video meeting, but just a quick communication, you sometimes just skip it because of the friction involved versus poking your head out the door or popping up above your cube wall and saying, hey, George, X, Y, Z.
1: Well, there's a lot of conversations going around what I've heard called digital exhaustion. I had lunch with an old friend of mine, an old redheader who's now over at MuleSoft. He was talking to me about his calendar. And it's from 8 a.m. to 6 p.m. There's no on and off switch. I said, what, what happens when you wake up in the morning? What's the emotion when you take a look at that calendar? He said, it's a little bit of a sigh, and then you go. And what's missing, I got a term from another uh, millennial, actually. I love it. It's called uh, serendipity deprivation. So those things that you're talking about, which are when you're in an office situation, there are dynamics there you don't plan for. There's the ad hoc meeting at the kitchen, at the the coffee machine, walking down the aisle, somebody comes in, you have conversations you weren't planning for and it's like, oh, you have that aha moment. It's like, I didn't think of it that way. Let's grab a bite. Well, you don't do that digitally. Now digitally, I've read a book many years ago called Crucial Conversations and it was really about... When things really matter, how do you have these type of conversations? And email, as an example for us older folks, was like never meant to be a medium for dialogue. It was a medium to say, okay, got your information, follow up, get back to you on Tuesday. Now we want to do everything and have dialogue that way. I try to coach my kids. I've got a couple 30-somethings and a late 20-something. Use this mobile device called an iPhone like it was originally meant to be used. Call them.
0: Well, I think talking on the telephone is something of an anathema to that generation. But to get back to that point of bringing along the people new to the workforce, you know, I can remember the most influential mentor I ever had in my business life. What I learned from this man, uh, he died a couple of years ago, and I actually still miss him. I still checked in with him from time to time, even now that I'm in my (laughs) age, that I learned something about journalism and that sort of thing from him, but so much more about comportment and bearing and how to express yourself and organizational maneuvering and so on. It's so many non-tangibles that could not be gleaned except by being in the presence of day after day.
1: Well, look, early childhood development is probably a great analogy to all of this thing as well. There's nonverbal communications that you get from watching leaders in your company, your organization, your agency under pressure, right? Sure. It's like, oh, talk about comportment. It's like, I was really amazed at the way she or he handled this situation, Calm, cool and collective, or guns ablaze, right, and from that you take, well, I want to be just like that person or I don't want to be like that right and these are nonverbal communications that we learn at an early age we learn expressions emotion, and so forth it's not from reading the book but it's from actually observing and actually experiencing again three I... d world versus two d world this psychologists are having a field day with this right now.
0: I guess the question is, would you raise your child from babyhood on teams? (laughs) The answer would be hardly. Well, let's talk about that. So
1: I love this thing too, because a lot of our younger professionals right now are getting into child rearing. So do you give them a tablet or an iPad and say, make yourself smart? Or do you go home at night and do you read to them? Now we know from Lots of data that when you read to your children, they pick up a couple of things. First of all, they pick up vocabulary because you're just reading books. They don't really understand, but they're getting exposed to words. You are there with them physically, so they have all these other senses. They have vision with you. They have touch with you. They have the smell of you, your scent. I can still remember my mom's perfume, my dad's sure. cologne. And all these things come together. And that's how we actually get our kids exposed to a lot of different things but they have these experiences that they're not going to get from a tablet
0: all right so to bring this around again your message to muriel bowser would be then nope we're going to keep the space and get back together
1: Well, I would hope that the federal agencies realize a lot of things that companies are realizing. I I just saw yesterday's paper. Bob Iger from Disney said, "Okay, I'm back in charge. I love you. Look, uh, Disney is a benevolent dictatorship. That means he's a father that loves his family, loves his individuals. But they are a creative pool. And he says, you know, I'm going to have you eat your vegetables. You may not like it, but you're going to love me in a couple of years. And this creative team has got to get together. That's where the magic happens. That's where the culture happens. So there's going to be a mix, I believe, of strong leaders saying, let's reestablish our value system. What is good for our family, our corporation, our agency? And from there, we hope that people will understand the benefits. Now, for early career professionals, it's an absolute amazing opportunity for watching how leaders lead, looking at what you may want to be in a couple of years, and taking advantage of, as you mentioned, mentorships. I always love to have mentors. I had three executive coaches through my career, and I always love to be the mentor as well. I had many folks that I had multiple one-on-one relationships with in both static and non-static type of uh, relationships. Just cool stuff. Basic word,
0: it's fun. And we'll leave it right there. Paul Smith is a retired federal sales executive, most recently with Red Hat. Thanks so much for joining me.
1: Tom, so nice to actually see you again. And you look great, by the way.
0: Thank you. <laughs> That's always good to hear, too. <laughs> and we're going to take a break, after which we'll hear from Mika Cross, a former military and intelligence community officer who specializes in workforce development. We'll post both interviews at com slash federal drive.
2: Leadership Today especially within the federal workforce, is being tested more than ever before. Sean Ferguson, Senior Vice President of Government Relations and Chief of Staff to the Office of the Chairman at the Special Olympics, joins host Shane Canfield, CEO of WEPA, to discuss the importance of leadership, inclusion, and community building. To learn more about how you can get involved with the Special Olympics in your community, visit specialolympics.org get involved. Hello, and welcome to the Lessons in Leadership podcast. What are some of the biggest lessons that you've learned working with that community? Oh, uh, yeah, almost, uh, Shane, it's almost immeasurable, the things I've learned since I've been with Special Olympics. I, uh, one of the things that drew me to Special Olympics uh, when I made the move over from, from the NFL and so I, I knew that i knew that work a bit you know they they basically were in direct care and and i will say you know, and on obviously will say about my my family my mother and my aunt my grandmother they're saints uh but uh the the men and women that do take care of people with uh, profound disabilities are are really um you know we we can't do enough to salute them I I Tim Triver, my boss the chairman uh says all the time and I couldn't agree with him more um uh, we get more than we give uh working the special olympics it, you know we and thank you for your very kind words about the work I do and we do but but we're the lucky ones we, those of us that work here are the lucky ones cuz I I said to someone the other day, you know, the things that I've been able to see and experience with athletes, you just don't get to do that anywhere. That, that, you know, it's a, and it's so unique and it's so uh, joyful. And, and I mean, we work hard and, you know, we we're up against, you know, the things that nonprofits are up against and, you know, the, you know, the issues of the day, but uh, man, you see it, it. And, and, and the inclusion in the at special Olympics, no one's excluded revolutionizing and changing the way people see uh, others with intellectual disabilities that's just like I mean that's what we that's what we're trying to do we're trying to bring people together and bridge difference and and, and celebrate differences and that our athletes man are some of the greatest people that you will meet and and uh and there's a lot to learn from our athletes and playing sports with them and interacting is is how you'll learn it check us out uh you know uh on on our website uh that will link you to your local program you can follow through the the clicks of how to get involved and where what's closest to you you'll enjoy it i can promise you that well, thank you very much, Sean. And, and to everybody listening, I'm Shane Canfield, CEO of WEPA, and we'll uh, talk to you next time on the Lessons in Leadership podcast.